Hello again, my kryptonites were safely into April and spring has sprung regarding the price of Queen Bitcoin and Prince Consort Ethereum. As I look at Ethereum now, it's it's got a bit angry. I think it's just looking to uh, claim the throne for itself, actually. <laughs> Knocking the queen off its uh, off its position. But um, yes, no, Ethereum is doing very well at the moment. Bitcoin's holding quite steady. Um, alt season has been and not quite gone. And everybody seems a little bit happier among the crypto community on social media. People are also once again making outlandish predictions. I think I saw um, somebody mention 2 million the other day by uh, next year. <laughs> you never know. You never know. It's a strange market. Um, so, uh, I mean, are we at the start of a bull market or are these are burning embers of the bear market? Um, today, I'll basically pick out a couple of bits of crypto news, a bit less than I have done previously, only because I've got an interview for with, um, it was a bit of a treat, a short, a short little interview with uh, Gavin Brown, who's a senior lecturer in financial economics at the Manchester Metropolitan University and is expert on cryptocurrencies and blockchain and the role it might play for financial financial uh, institutions and governments. He actually appeared in the BBC's One Show recently, which is only obviously slightly more high profile than this podcast. Um, before we start, here are some ways to follow me. My Twitter handle is at Schiller. The, I'm on Instagram if you type the Schiller podcast in search, and you can also email me at the Schiller podcast at gmail.com. Okay, let's get underway. So as I promised, a couple of little bits of uh, news. It's uh, the weekend, so relatively quiet lots of things happening here and there with different uh, currencies obviously we've enjoyed a bit of a a bit of a revival um last week when uh, bitcoin and ethereum decided they were a bit bored and uh, decided to make the market a bit interesting this is following the uh, the jump by the alt by altcoins so um, altcoins are having a little bit of a breather i say a little bit of a breather they are still going up quite healthily Anyway, so um, this uh, article in Coindesk is basically trying to sort of um, explain how Google searches for Bitcoin and the price correlates. So trading back above $5,000, more eyes are on the world's cryptocurrency Bitcoin than have been in nearly 19 weeks. A fact affirmed as worldwide Google searches for Bitcoin currently hover at levels not seen since November the 20th. Now, November the 20th would have been the time people were probably looking at Bitcoin and saying, oh, why is it dumping? And now people are going, oh, why is it climbing again? So uh, for very different reasons, uh, Google Trend data reveals a spike in searches was single-handedly achieved on 2nd of April when the price of cryptocurrency surged nearly 20% in a single hour to clock $4,961, its highest price since November the 19th. Uh, This is according to Coindesk's price data. While Google Trends does not provide the exact number of searches, it is apparent the amount of worldwide Bitcoin searches reached 90% of what it was on November the 20th. Um, As is shown, obviously, I can't show you the graph on a podcast, uh, but it does show a big spike on that day. Indeed, Bitcoin, in quote marks, searches skyrocket on Tuesday as investors, traders and the media alike were searching for reasons as to why Bitcoin price surged, like I just explained before. Interestingly, most searches came from countries that may not seem the most likely of origins. Google's data further reveals that the largest amount of searches on uh, second and third were from St. Helena, which is a little island, if I believe, um, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the Netherlands, South Africa, Nigeria, and Austria in that 
order. Uh, there aren't many people on St. Helena, by the way. Uh, the US, Canada and UK did not crack the top 10 of most Bitcoin searches, searches uh, ranking in at 11, 12 and 17 respectively. The significance of a spike in Bitcoin searches may seem trivial at face value. I never, ever think it's trivial at all. I never think anything about Bitcoin is trivial. <laughs> it's all very serious. But studies have shown that there is a connection between the price of the cryptocurrency and its search interest. The core findings suggest periods of low search volume tend to precede large markups in price that coincide with Bitcoin's famous or perhaps infamously wild market cycles. I tell you what, this is not wild anything compared to 2017, but it has the feeling that it might just get a little bit wilder as we approach the um, year before the halvening. Halvening? Halvening. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, another sort of uh, lightish little uh, piece um, about Charlie Lee. I don't think I've ever spoken about Charlie Lee as that much um, on our podcast. Um, he's the creator and founder of Litecoin, as you all know. Um, Litecoin being kind of like the offshoot of Bitcoin, one of the early forks, I guess, of it. Um, but it's, it's supposed to be, it's a, I mean, I've, I haven't used it in practice, but the transference and the use of Litecoin is uh, much quicker than Bitcoin. Anyway. So Charlie Lee is kind of known for, in his kind of Nostradamus of crypto, cryptocurrency, and you'd expect he would be for a guy who's pretty much been involved almost from the start. So um, he was, uh, this is a, a, an article in Crypto Slate. So Charlie Lee was former Google employee, a computer scientist prior to founding Bitcoin's complementary cryptocurrency, Litecoin. After Google, Lee was the managing director of engineering at Coinbase. Um, he now works as, uh, for the Litecoin Foundation to encourage cryptocurrencies adoption full time. Uh, Lee said to Forbes, when I released Litecoin, there were other lots of other. I don't need to read that out, to be fair. Um, so Lee's legendary price predictions on May the 8th, 2017, Litecoin was the first major cryptocurrency to implement segregated witness. Now, segre- SegWit. Uh, mitigates a blockchain size limitation problem that reduces transaction speeds and also laid the groundwork for Lightning Network, which is um, essentially what we are essentially trying to do in the sense of, uh, yes, processing, uh, you know, Bitcoin or Litecoin, etc., etc. Anyway, more than a month prior to the network-wide inflammation of the update, Charlie Lee correlates the number of nodes signaling that they will implement um, SegWit to the price of Litecoin. Now, this is back in 2017. So there's a tweet that he said, I figured out what LT pre, LTC price will be when we have activated SegWit. And 20% of it, $4, 60%, $9, and full 100%, $14. So um, on April the 3rd, uh, which is the day of the tweet, actually it's the day before the tweet, to be precise, Litecoin was traded at $7.74 per coin, with a final prediction of $14. as forecast for expecting an 81% increase in the price of LTC. This is once 100% of SegWit was adopted. Two days later, on April the 5th, the coin closed above $11. On May the 10th, the day of SegWit's full implementation on the Litecoin network, it, ne- it closed at $31.96, which is far above what we were expecting. He said $14, if you remember what I said, uh, with the price increasing over fourfolds. Now, on September the 14th, 2017, Tour de Mista, who's the founder of Adamant Capital, he tweets quite a lot about uh, Bitcoin, etc., a Bitcoin alpha fund. Um, he started buying Bitcoin after it precipitously dropped from 4650 to $3,000 in one week. Charlie Lee agreed, calling the bottom. 
Um, so basically, they both sort of said, oh, this is like pretty much the bottom. And um, uh, Tour said he was buying the dip. By the next day, Bitcoin hit its bottom just below $3,000. Bitcoin has not traded at such a low price since, which is correct. And Ellie did, though, obviously. Um, very recently, as we all remember, sadly. Um, oh, hold on a sec. Go on, this uh, laptop scrolls funny um charlie lee went on to predict the top of the market in anticipation of the ensuing crypto winter he announced that he expected a similar multi-year bear market to decimate the price of ltc he is a doom a doomsayer as well um he said in what was it december 2017 buying ltc is extremely risky uh, uh basically he basically he's said at the end of that tweet so if you can't handle ltc dropping to litecoin dropping to 20 dollars don't buy roughly one year after cryptocurrency currencies prices peaked in december to january amidst the lows of the uh, bear market traders were astonished at least predictions of litecoin bottoming at 20 dollars and lo and behold in about when was it uh sort of december it was around about um Oh, no, no. What was it in January? Was it January? Anyway, it was later on. It did uh, drop to just around about $22. Um, Controversially, Lee, Charlie Lee announced that he had sold his entire Litecoin holdings. He was saying he just doesn't want to be holding Litecoin at the time. He said, I mean, he said it in a sort of like kind of... Um, in the sense that he, did, he didn't want to have holdings in something that he is emotionally involved with, I guess. So, and he decided to get rid of them. Um, what was this? Was this quote? Um, there will always be a doubt on whether any of my actions were to further my own personal wealth above the success of Litecoin cryptocurrency in general. For this reason, in the past days, I've sold, donated all my Litecoin. Litecoin has been very good to me financially, so I'm well off enough that I know I no, link, no longer need to tie my financial success to Litecoin success for the first time. In six plus years, I no longer own a single Litecoin. Did you know it was going to? Uh, do- <laughs> no, you can't say that. You don't know if he's. You know you don't. You don't know um, if it was going to dump or not. But it did dump, as we all know. Um. So yeah, that's it. And now he's predicting. And on February the twenty fifth, twenty eighteen, Lee predicted that Litecoin would overtake Bitcoin Cash's position, which is interesting. Um. At this moment in time, uh, Litecoin coin oh yeah it did didn't it um yeah it took over but that was because during the uh the old hash wars between bitcoin cash and the bitcoin cash split the fork and all that you know we craig wright etc etc we've all seen that happening um yes and so yeah around about that time it also slipped to 22 dollars. so but the bitcoin market i mean the crypto market was in a bit of a mess at that time anyway at this moment in time though charlie lee i'm not sure if he's bought back any litecoin if i was him i would um it is hovering at let's see there should be like some sort of fanfare can i get some sort of fanfare music for this podcast maybe not uh, Litecoin fourth in the charts at $92. I mean, that is quite extraordinary. That is increased nearly fivefold since Dece- uh, December time. So congratulations, Charlie Lee. Um, yes, that is that. Right, so um, like I mentioned before, uh, what did I mention before? Oh, yes, my interview with Gavin Brown. Um, so anyway, Interview with Gavin Brown coming up. Absolutely lovely person to talk to. I start by asking you about whether we are her- heading, <laughs> herding, heading for a cashless society. And if so, what shape 
that will take. Yeah, I think so. First of all, great question. Um, certainly, in terms of cashless society, I think that's a definite. Um, the question is, is whether it's using digital money in the form of state-backed money, or whether we use some kind of decentralised equivalent. Um, last year, we saw over the last twelve months more. Uh, cashless or contactless transactions happening than, than than cash transactions, and that trend is set to continue. Um, for my money, though, I'm relatively bearish on things like Bitcoin for the medium to long term, just because I think the regulatory hurdles that are in place and the <coughs> trust mechanisms are too great for the general population at the moment. And I think before and if and when those challenges are overcome by the general population, I see institutions moving into that space more quickly. Um, because if you think about it, you know, you spend your, you don't spend your money directly with the government; you spend it indirectly through tax. Directly, you spend your money with multinational companies, and I see that those companies looking at your transaction and your custom, and actually realizing not only can I sell you goods and services, but actually I can create and control the money that you're going to use to purchase my goods and services with, and there's value in them actually obtaining and controlling that as well. Do you see it's all like a case of um, the governments, etc., using the technology? Uh, blockchain and digital currency technology to apply to their own currencies at the moment, or do you see a universal currency in the future? Yeah, no, I think I think certainly the the former probably in terms of state-led. Um, I mean, obviously the global nature may, may be in time, um, but I don't necessarily see this as something that governments want to do because they see you know additional val value or utility for their citizens. It's really because it's almost like a game theory analogy. Whereas if they don't move on it, somebody else will. And you know, if they uh, individuals start using a decentralized cryptocurrency or the cryptocurrency of another state, potentially, uh, or even that of a corporation, then effectively they then lose leverage and control as a central bank or a government because effectively people then bypass their, you know, we look at the Fed and say, well, I don't need a US dollar because I'm going to use JP Morgan coin instead because I've got more faith in them as a corporation. Now, that may sound quite outlandish or something to say, but we live in a world where the credit rating of McDonald's is higher than that of the country of Ireland. So we, it's almost for me the next stage of multinational development and couple that with the technological revolutions that are happening and the almost democratization of money, you know, it enables us to create a coin in under three hours. And if you can then do that and you've got a customer base and a brand to back that up, then why wouldn't you? So when we talk about Bitcoin itself, what do you see? It and what role do you see it playing in the future? Is it going to be like the equivalent of, say, goals? Is it going to be something for the big boys to play with? Yeah, um, not not for me. I mean, I think it's quite. It's obviously useful as a almost like a geopolitical hedge. So because it's stateless by definition, it means that you're not obviously tagged to the fortunes of a U.S. election or a Brexit referendum or things like that. It's, it's ethereal in nature, so that that's a good quality. Obviously, um, I don't see it having the robustness that gold has, and I. Um, Allowed to continue unchecked, I think it could become what you think, what your question posed, but actually I see institutions moving in to steal the spoils effectively that Bitcoin could have. Um, but yeah, I, I think my money's with the institutions rather than the, the currency itself, which obviously hasn't happened yet, but we're starting to see that moving in that way. JCoin, JP Morgan coin, Facebook coin, Kodak coin. Um, it, for, for me, that's where the future lies really.